Thank you for choosing the podcast of Four Mile Creek Baptist Church in Moss Point, Mississippi. To discover more about Four Mile Creek or what it means to follow Jesus, you can visit us online at www.fourmilecreek.org. Here is this week's message. With her fold, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken to the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal, and they laid their clothes on him, and he sat on them. And a very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. And the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. There's so much at play here that we could preach a whole series on this triumphal entry, but I just want to highlight three things to you. We're not done. We've got some more to read. First, he's a humble king. The king is here. Jesus has arrived, and he doesn't enter in a chariot pulled by a horse that's one to behold. He enters on the back of a young donkey, one who has never been ridden before. He doesn't come with fanfare. In fact, those witnessing this were expecting him to come in and take over the government. But he doesn't. When he enters, we're told he goes to the temple. He's a humble king. He was there in the beginning. First John 1, not First John 1, 1, but in John chapter 1, verse 1, the gospel of John, we're told that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there. He was there when all was created. He knows who he is, he knows his power, he knows his worth, but we're told in the book of Philippians that he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, by taking on the likeness of man. And then he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, death on a cross. He's a humble king. He is majestic and he's powerful. He is certainly worthy of all that we can bring, of all the glad offerings and tithes and all the things. But he's humble. He knows who he is, and yet he emptied himself. He came and he took on the form of you and me. Fully God, fully man. Not 50% God and 50% man, but 100% God and 100% man. Brother Craig, how does that work? It does in God's math. We don't have to understand it all. We just have to trust that it works. He's a humble king, but he's also a holy king. Don't get it twisted. This king who is humble and welcomes you into his presence by faith, uh, by grace through faith, is also a holy king. The text goes on. We read this. Jesus went into the temple and he threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. He's a holy king. He desires that we bring every area of our life into alignment with his will. Every area. Not some of it, but all of it. He wants us to be a people who are characterized by one word. Holy. 
Why? Because he's holy. He demands that we bring every part of our life in alignment with his will. These people had made the temple something that it never was, never could be, and never will be. They've made it into a place for for for-profit business. They've made it into a place that has hindered the ability of people from all over the world to come into the presence of God, to commune with him in fellowship and in prayer. And Jesus says, this is not how it's to be done. He's a holy king. When he looks at your life, does he say, you're holy for I am holy? Or have you defiled the temple? He's a holy king. He wants you to be in alignment with everything that he has commanded. And the wonderful thing is that he knows we can't do it in and of ourselves. Jesus, just a few days from this text, will be crucified. In fact, he'll be tried by a sinful man. He'll have no wrong found uh, on his account, but he's going to be executed anyway. And in his death, he became sin. Paul tells us in Corinthians, in the Corinthian correspondence, that uh, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. It was in that moment that he took all of our sin upon himself so that whosoever would and whosoever will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, that that individual might become the righteousness of God. You can never measure up, but because of his sacrificial death on that cross, when you respond to that in faith and in obedience, you become totally righteous, totally pleasing, totally accepted. You never have to fear failure. You never have to fear punishment if you be in Christ. He's a humble king. He was there. He's a holy king. I've said it before, and I was quoting from Adrian Rogers, your sin will be pardoned in Christ or punished in hell, but it will never be overlooked. To overlook one sin is to defile his character, and he won't do that. But here's the other thing. He's a gentle king. He's a gentle king. After all of this, after he's cleansed the temple, we find this. Matthew writes, beginning in verse 14, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonders that he did, and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus replied, Yes, have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouths of infants and nursing babies. And he left them and he went out to the city of Bethany and he spent the night there. He's a gentle king. He's a gentle king. He knows your limitations. You know, children tend to cower away from adults who are angry and indignant and are, fear- and are just a scary people. But yet these children, as ordained by God, say, Hosanna to the son of David. Sometimes from the mouth of babes, great truth is spoken. That's why if you ever want the truth, you go ask a kid. You might not like what the kid says, but you'll get the truth. (laughs) And yet from the mouth of babes, they say, they say, Hosanna to the son of David. They're singing his praises. If we don't cry out, God has his people that will. If we don't cry out, the rocks will, the psalmist tells us. He's a gentle king. Why do I point out these three realities about who our king is? He's a humble king. He's a holy king. He's a gentle king. 
out of all the things I could have pointed out, why those three things? Well, here's the first thing. I don't know where you're at, but God does. You may be in here and you may be lost as a skunk. Lost as a goose, I think the metaphor is. I don't know, but skunk works fine. Y'all chuckle. That's good enough for me. (laughs) You may be lost as a goose. And you may think, I could never possibly approach this Jesus that's spoken of. He's humble enough. He bends his ear to hear the prayers of his people. He emptied himself, the Bible says. He took on the form of humanity. In fact, in Hebrews, we're told that he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He's a humble king. You can approach him. He won't reject you. And he'll accept you just as you are, but he's not going to leave you as you are. A Jesus that doesn't change you is a Jesus not worth having. And the Jesus of the Bible changes the hearts and minds of those who surrender to him in faith. He's a holy king. Why do I point that out? Because he's going to take you as you are, but he's not going to leave you as you are. Apart from Christ, you're not holy. You're not. You need Jesus to be made holy, and the holy king will make you holy. We read all throughout the Bible, Be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. But he's a gentle king. He remembers that you and I are but dust. That we are here today, and we're gone tomorrow. There's going to come a time that I stop breathing. There's going to come a time that you stop breathing. We need a king who's gentle, who remembers our shortcomings, our failures, our faults, who knows our weaknesses and will move us away from those. We will never be perfect in this life, but we can be holy. And he knows that and he works with us in that. The king is here and because he lives, the message we proclaim has power, it has authority, it has all these things. It's today... In the text that we read all those years ago that he rides into Jerusalem and everybody is saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to just turn around a few days later and say, crucify him and give us Barabbas. It's those same people. It's those same people who then would beat him and look upon his bloodstained naked body. And yet Jesus would go to that cross and he would bear all of God's wrath for all of your sin and for the sin of all people from all time, past, present, and future upon himself so that we might become the righteousness of God. And the Bible says that you can respond to that sacrifice that the Lord Jesus has made once and for all by confessing him as Lord, by believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That's what the Bible says. And if you've never done that, that's the invitation today. The only reason the message has power is because our Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. It actually finds, uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote that song back in the 70s, and I didn't intend to share this, but let me tell you where they based part of that scripture in, uh, part of that song in. It's found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 16. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. Beginning in verse 5. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and indeed I have a beautiful inheritance. 
The only reason you have a beautiful inheritance is because your king lives. And if you've never surrendered to the king, you're an enemy. You're an enemy of the king. And the Bible says that in your sin, he detests not only your sin, but he detests you. But yet, simultaneously, he loves you. And so he says to you, come, repent. Come in faith, repent, turn to me, find salvation, find forgiveness, find eternal life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Come to him today. And Christian, remember your king. Remember who he is. He's not only the king of salvation, he's the king for the everyday stuff of life. And you need him.